today's reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 24. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of them to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give to you, for the workers deserve his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Cherazim, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have been repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those who, to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he, turned privately to his then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Amen. Thank you. So we, um, we're in a, a series at the mo- a moment called uh, Growing and Going. And um, it's, it's a short 
ish series, but actually it's our focus for the whole of the year about growing as disciples and uh, and going into our community. And today uh, we find ourselves at the going into our community um, section. <coughs> Excuse me. And context is really important. So um, so I want to just set the context for where this reading from this morning actually is in the, the Gospel of Luke. So we're in uh, chapter 10, but if you look back at, at Luke 9, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them power and authority, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, which they did. And they came back rejoicing at all that they had seen God doing. Um, and, uh, and what follows just before this reading is the feeding of the 5,000, where again, uh, Jesus performs, he performs a miracle, but it's as the disciples go. The miracle seems to happen as the disciples are handing out the lunch, handing out the bread and the fish. Because there's only a, there's a finite amount that is offered. But as they divide it up and put it into their baskets and take it, it's multiplied. And then shortly after that, um, we see that this is where Peter declares Jesus as the Messiah, the first person to recognise Jesus for who he is. So that's the context of this particular reading. What about the context that we find ourselves in today? The disciples were told to go and proclaim the kingdom. Um, How strange, perhaps, that two weeks ago, um, around the country in towns and villages and around the Commonwealth, a new kingdom was proclaimed. Uh, In town crier style, um, the new king, Charles III, was proclaimed. Um, I love the fact that, you know, we're told to go and proclaim the kingdom of God is near um, and we, we sit in a context where that's, that's just happened. The kingdom has come. This new kingdom of, of King Charles is here. And we're yet to say, but the kingdom of God is greater. We saw in the Queen's life a life of service. A, a, a Queen, a monarch who stood firmly on the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. At the funeral of the Queen, we heard a message of hope in Jesus. The whole service was focused on her hope in Jesus. And it was witnessed by 36, uh, 37, I beg your pardon, 37 million people in the UK and 4 billion people around the world. Is it possible that this is the greatest time in the last hundred years to proclaim the kingdom of God? when it's just been proclaimed to all those people in such a powerful and clear way. Praise God for the Archbishop of Canterbury and such a clear and powerful message in six minutes. I'm probably already two into mine. But we find ourselves in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus gathers his 72 disciples, so 72 of his followers, not just the 12, They've, uh, they've been gathered, they've been sent out, they've come back and they've carried on that ministry and now he gathers the 72 together. 
That's a six-fold increase. I did the maths because my brain doesn't work that way. A six-fold increase. He doesn't just send the twelve. And just because previous generations at RBC have gone out and proclaimed the kingdom of God, that doesn't mean that we get to sit back and stop. Jesus gathers us together again to go again. And as we said last week, we gather here this morning and in the week, we gather to grow in order to scatter. Um, And importantly here, we see that Jesus sent his disciples together. We gather here together to hear stories um, like James this morning about what God is doing, about how God is challenging us as individuals. We share those together and we grow together. And notice that Jesus sends his disciples out together. He sends them two by two. Now that just puts me in mind of the ark, but we'll set that to one side for this morning. But arguably they could have had a greater reach if they went alone. If the twelve had gone on their own, they could have reached twelve different towns or communities. If the seventy-two had gone on their own, they could have reached seventy-two towns or communities. Surely that would have been better, wouldn't it? But it's important that they go together. So, so they reach fewer communities, but they go stronger because they go together. And we, when we go, we go as family. We go as RBC. We go as life group. We go as friends because we go together. And, uh, and you are, you're already going. I know you are because, as I said last week, you don't live here. The staff team live here, but, but you don't live here. So we gather and then we scatter. So every week we come and then we go. So this is, this is not a new commission for you. I know that you do it every week. It's not a new commission from the Lord either. It's not a new mission strategy. It's an ancient mission strategy. But it's the one that transformed the church from 12 into millions. Transform the church from 12 men into a life-changing, world-changing movement. But it requires us to go. I was at a conference a, a few years ago, before we came to Rayleigh, and I, and I heard a guy speaking, and he, some, some quotes just jump out at me and I have to write them down and they stick in my memory and this one was one of them. He said, we won't change a nation by sitting in church. And we, you know, all of us looked around, there was about a thousand of us there, we all looked at each other and went, yeah, we know that. And then he said, we haven't even been able to change the church by doing that. He's like, oh, oh, that's good. That's strong. Jesus says, Go. I am sending you, so go. And I've missed my slide. There we are. Go. Um, So the question is, where? Where do we go? In verse 1, we see that Jesus sent them ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go to. So wherever you are going this week... Whatever you've got planned, whether you are at work, whether you're seeing friends, whether you're just with family, whether you've got exciting stuff organised or whether it's a relatively normal week for you, wherever you go, you can be sure that Jesus is coming too. If he's not already there, 
he will be going with you. I've read a a book uh, a couple of years ago which I I returned to um, again and again and it's by a guy called Alan Scott and he said that we've, we've spent so long praying for revival in the church that we've missed what God is doing in the world. And I think that's true. I think if you think about your context this week, where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing, who you're going to be meeting, I think we can forget what God is doing there. We often think, well, I'll come here and see what God is up to. I tell you, God does far less in here than he does out there. But we don't have the eyes to see it often. So what is God doing in the world and how does that determine where we go? What is God doing in your workplace? What is God doing in your street? What's God doing in your favourite coffee shop or wherever you go and, and hang out with friends? Where are you already going during the week? Because God says start there. Because that's where God's already called you. To some people, he says, right, I've got a very specific task for you and I want you to go to this place. But for the rest of us, where has he already called us? Those of you who, um, who were here some years ago when, uh, when you looked at fruitfulness on the front line, that's what this is all about. Where is your front line? Where is the front line of your ministry? Go there and start there. But before you do, pray and ask God each morning, where do you want me to go and who do you want me to meet? Where do you want me to go or where am I going to be going today and who do you want me to meet there? I believe that God has um, preordained appointments for us. That God doesn't believe in chance, but God makes the most of every opportunity. I was talking to one of the trustees this week, um, an unplanned meeting, well from my point of view, they just knocked on the door, um, an unplanned meeting, but they said, I've really had somebody on my heart this week, um, and I believe that God was saying to me that I needed to meet up with them, but I've got no way of contacting them. And yet, I met them this morning. God placed this person on their heart and created that opportunity and brought the two together, who otherwise would not have met. Divine appointments. But we often miss them. Um, A little while ago, I think it was towards the end of lockdown, certainly we did it via Zoom, but um, we we ran something called um, uh, Acorn Groups. And if you've picked up one of our bookmarks off the various stations around the place, I think I've got one here somewhere. Um, On one side it's got our church values. Don't worry, you can't read this from where you are. I'm not expecting you to. Um, And on the other side, there's a blue side with our values on, which are on the posters around the wall. Um, And on the other side it says ACORN. And we've never fully explained what ACORN is about. Um, But it's a five-step process on here. But it's all about making the most of every opportunity that God gives you. Okay, and I'm not going to go into it today. If you want one, grab a, grab a bookmark um, and have a look at it. But it starts with praying. It starts with asking God, who do you want me to meet today? And then, why? What are you going to do when I meet them? 
Okay, so I would encourage you to, to start having that attitude. We're going to go to the places that we've already said that we're going to go to or we're already going to be in. We don't need to go anywhere different necessarily unless God says specifically, this is your favourite coffee shop but I want you to drink in that one there instead. Ooh, really Lord? Who knows what the quality of the coffee might be in there? But if God's got a plan for you there, then I'd much rather be there with bad coffee or no coffee than over there and missing what God wants to do. But pray and ask. And then when you meet the people that God has directed you to, talk about him and or talk about your faith in him. In uh, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, we hear these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then the song that we sang earlier, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And then later Jesus added to that and said, And love your neighbour as yourself. Back to Deuteronomy. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, You are to impress them upon your children and you are to talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road. From the moment you lie down to the moment, uh, sorry, the moment you get up to the moment you lie down. The message says, get them inside of you and inside of your children and then talk about them wherever you are. Talk about what God has done and what God is commanding us to do. Talk about your faith, your love for God. Talk about the way that he's working in your life with the ordinary people that you meet. It's all very well saying, Lord, would you lead me to speak to someone that I wasn't expecting to speak to today? But if we talk to them about our gardening or we talk to them about the quality of the coffee or whatever it might be, then we're missing an opportunity. How do we make the most of the opportunity that God gives us? So where do we go? Well, we go to the places that we're probably already in. Let's start there. Unless God tells us specifically to go somewhere else, let's just go to the places that we were intending to go to anyway. But let's remain open to what God might want us to do whilst we're there. So we're to go and we know, that we know now where we are to go, but how are we to go? Well, I think there are four things um, in, uh, in the passage that was read to us about how we are to go. Uh, and the first one is that we're to go intentionally. And this is a very strange um, uh, word from Jesus here in verse 4. He says, and as you go, don't greet anyone on the road along the way. I mean, we're back to um, kind of lockdown times, aren't we? Do you remember where it was, it was okay to see somebody come in and cross the road and avoid them? Because that's what, that was safest. Oh, I love that. As an introvert, oh, it was okay to do that. And then, oh, I can't, no, I can't hear you from over the, no, anyway. So, but that's the attitude we're to have, apparently. Don't, don't greet anybody on the way. Not because you're being rude and you're missing that opportunity, but because you're going where God has, has planned for you to be. 
And if you get distracted, it's like, it's like me, when I, when I try and get from here to the back, either for a coffee at the end or to get to the door, and I bump into five of you, if, I'm, if I've got my head down and I ignore you, it's because I want to get there to do the thing I'm supposed to be doing, and I'll have a chat with you there. But if I, if I start chatting with you here, I'll never get there. It's one o'clock before I've even got to the coffee table and there's nothing left. It's all about coffee this morning, isn't it? I'm sorry. But you get the point. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you need to go, and I want you to be in the place that you're supposed to be, not held up on the way. So he says, do not greet anyone on the way, but remain focused on where I've called you to be. Don't get distracted, because there's somewhere I need you to be. There's someone that I want you to talk to. So this is about a new intention. So as we leave here today, and as we scatter from this place, from this gathering, as we go, have a new intention. Pray in the morning, actually God, who is it you want me to meet today? Give me a sense, give me a name of the person you want me to meet. And then Lord, keep me focused in going to the place that I'm going to meet them. Don't let me get distracted on the way. And then when you are there, don't just be intentional about where you're going, but be intentional about what you're talking about as well. I'm not talking about deep theological discussions. I'll avoid those like the plague if I can. But talk about Jesus. Talk about your faith in Jesus. Talk about what he's doing in your life. The difference he's already made in your life or the difference he's making now in your life. Because that's the sort of thing that will fascinate people um, and the sort of thing that Jesus will use. Talk about how Jesus has answered your prayers. And then offer to pray for others. When we uh, we look at when Jesus sends out his disciples, it's to proclaim the kingdom and it's to heal. So specifically, pray for healing. If you're with someone and they say, oh, I've got, a, I've got a gammy leg or I've got these dreadful headaches. Oh, would you like me to pray for you? I believe in a God who can heal that. I believe that he loves you. And you may not know him, but he knows you. And he'd love, to pray, he'd love me for, to pray for you. That's all it needs to be. Even I can do that. So offer to pray for others. And especially for their healing where that's appropriate. So we go um, intentionally. We're also to go peacefully. In verse 3 it says that we're to go like sheep among wolves. Uh, Not to be forceful, but to be peaceful, to be gentle in our approach. So you may take your Bible with you, but don't bash people with it. You go with your own attitudes and prejudices, but don't bash people with them either. Go peacefully. Go gently. But that phrase, going like sheep among wolves, also suggests it's going to be dangerous because um, wolves are not traditionally very welcoming to sheep. And yet God sends us. And he promises that he will be with us. So it's all okay. It might still be scary, like Jane standing up here this morning. Scary for Jane, I mean, not for us. But she did it anyway, because she felt that God had asked her to do it. So as you go, even though it might feel scary, we should still go, we should still be obedient, and we should go peacefully and gently. 
We should also go confidently. Oh, I've got my slides in the wrong order. There we go. We should also go confidently. We should be confident in Jesus' authority and power. I mentioned that when he gathered his 12 disciples to him and sent them out, before he sent them, he said, I'm giving you all power and authority to do all the things that I'm asking you to do, to proclaim the kingdom and to pray for healing. Giving you everything that you need as you go. He does the same here. And he says that when you speak, in verse uh, verse 16, he says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. We're not to take it personally. We're certainly not to take the credit personally when someone listens to us, because actually they're listening to Jesus. We're not to take it personally when someone rejects us or rejects our message because it's not us they're rejecting, it's Jesus. And Jesus says, I I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. I wonder how confidently the disciples went. Did they go believing that? I think they did because they came back with amazing stories of all that they had done. And in verse 22, Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. So all power, all of Jesus' power, comes from the Father. And he, Jesus, bestows that same power on us. That same authority on us. The same as he did with the 12, the same as he did with the 72, the same as he did with the 100 and something today. How many, Andrew? Thank you. 117. Perfect. Jesus sends out the 117. Let's write a new chapter today. But we go with the same power and authority. In the Great Commission in uh, Matthew chapter 28... So at the end of Jesus' earthly life, just as he's commissioning not just the disciples but us, the church, it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. You go by his authority and with his power. So we should be confident as we go. We might be a little bit hesitant, but we shouldn't doubt that God is there with us, that God is going to work, that he's got something planned for us. So we go uh, intentionally, we go peacefully, we go confidently, and then we go expectantly. And I use the word expectantly for two reasons. One, because it's one of our values, to be expectant. The other is because the word trustingly doesn't sound right, does it? But we should go trusting God. Expectant that God is going to meet our needs as he says. Because he says, as he sends them out, he says, he says take nothing with you. Nothing for the journey. It says, don't take sandals. But I think what it means is, don't take extra sandals. Wear the ones that you've got, that's fine. Because later he says... Shake the dust from your feet um, and your sandals. But, um, but take nothing extra with you because I'm going to provide everything you need. You don't need to take food and water because you're going to go and meet people that I've decided you're going to go and meet. And they're going to provide for you. You're going to move into their house for a short time and they're going to meet every need. 
So as we go, we should trust God for all our needs and expect to see him at work. And even if it takes some time, he says, play the long game. He says, don't move from house to house. If you are welcomed in a house, then stay there. He doesn't say for how long. But I mentioned earlier, and we heard it again in in Jane's testimony, God plays the long game. And so should we. We shouldn't rush. Bless you. We shouldn't rush. Expect to see God at work. And when we see the 72 returning, they come to share their stories. They went probably doubting. And yet they came back full of joy and full of stories to share of what, what they'd seen God doing. They were amazed. They said, even the demons submit to us in your name, Jesus. Wow. I want to be part of that. I want to have stories like that to come back and tell. And then Jesus says something amazing to them. He shares what he saw from his perspective whilst they were doing the things that he'd asked them to do. So they said, even demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven whilst you were doing what you were doing. This is a a spiritual battle. There are unseen forces at work, which sounds scary, doesn't it? But this reminds us that it's God's responsibility and not ours. It's his battle and not ours. And we know who wins. And we heard earlier from, uh, from Jane, I keep pointing to Karen, but Jane's over there. We heard earlier from Jane, we know who wins because God is still on the throne. It's his battle and not ours. So we should be expectant for what God will do. We should trust him to fulfil his promises because he's so very good at doing so. And then at the end of the reading, he turns to his 12 disciples. So the 72 have come back. It will have looked a little bit like this, probably fewer rows um, and a few more dusty piles by their sandals. But, but it would have looked something like this. And yet he turns to his disciples, his 12 disciples, and he says privately, having heard all the excitement of the 72 and all of their joy at all that they'd done, he turns to the 12 to one side and he said, blessed, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have wanted to see what you've seen today, and they did not. And they wanted to hear what you have heard, but they did not hear it. The 72 were sent out, they came back, having done what Jesus asked them to, they rejoiced, they shared their stories, and Jesus said to his disciples, you are blessed at witnessing what you've witnessed because others have been desperate to see this and have not seen it and we get to see it if we go if we go intentionally and confidently and all those things when um, in my my last few years in our our last church in Milton Keynes we we ran an event called Hope MK which I've talked about um, over many years but not, not recently 
But we effectively, we gathered together and we taught and we equipped and we encouraged young people, secondary school age young people, between, depending on what year it was, between 100 and 150 each time. Um, and about, about 80 adults each October half term. We taught them, we equipped them, we encouraged them and we sent them out into the city. Well, it's a city now, it wasn't then, but it's a city now. Um, we sent them out into their communities um, to go and serve God by serving the people they met there. And they did it in a, a whole range of different ways. Some a little bit more overtly in terms of their faith than others. Some more servant-hearted um, and others a bit more evangelistic and overt. And it was exhausting. Um, aside from the 12 months of work that led up to it and organising, I mean organising youth workers is a nightmare, organising young people, even worse. Um, how you teachers manage that, I'll never know, but uh, hats off to you. Um, but it was exhausting because that final week, was, it was like 18 hour days for me doing the, doing the organising and trying to make sure it was all safe. Um, but the best thing for me was the end of each day. They, they all got back on their buses and they came back to the central location and we fed them, which they were joyful at. Um, but we heard the stories of what God had been doing. And we were absolutely blown away. We, we had this grand plan about what, what God might do and how this might encourage a few young people and a few churches. Uh, and we were just blown away every day um, and each of the five years that we ran it for at what God had, had done in that time, at the stories that they were able to share. But it all came from a decision to go. Three of us, as youth workers said, from different churches, could we get together and do something together? Maybe, maybe instead of having 20 young people, we'll have 40 or 50. Wouldn't that be great? That was where it started. Let's just, just go and do it. But it all came from a decision to go into the community. And going together was important, not just two by two, but team by team. And the adults, I can tell you, were as nervous as the young people. Uh, sometimes more so because they had to look after the young people as well. But we saw God do amazing things in and through those young people because they went. They went intentionally, they went confidently, they went expectantly. And mostly they went gently, not always. Prayer on the streets, that was good fun with some of the more gung-ho young people, but there we are, that's a story for another day. So to close... And I'll just invite the band to, uh, to come and join me to give you some hope. Um, but to close, a few things for us to remember. Um, that we grow in confidence as we see God at work and as we share stories of what he's doing. We don't get the glory for ourselves, but we come and we share it and together we hear what God can do and we grow. And this bit is really important. We are not responsible for saving anyone but we are responsible for telling everyone. That's a huge responsibility. We're not responsible for saving anyone. Ours is to plant and to water and it's for God to give the growth. But our responsibility is to take the gospel into the world. But start next door. Start in the next street. Start at the next desk to yours. And however people respond, they are not responding to your ability. 
to pray or to talk, to share your faith. Their response is to the Holy Spirit at work in them. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts them. Not your eloquence, not your, your great uh, prayer or your great delivery. C.S. Lewis said, you can't go back and change the beginning. He said, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So my prayer is that that's what we will do. Starting today, or maybe I'll give you a day off, maybe tomorrow, start tomorrow. That we will go wherever it is that we're due to go tomorrow. But we will have prayed before we go. That we will expect that God has somebody there that he wants us to have a conversation with. And that we'll start where we are, and yet we will change the ending for just one person and for God's glory.